morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is The Material Podcast, episode 224. We are shouting out to northern, northern eastern, northeastern <laughs> Illinois and the northern suburbs of Chicago, which, by the way, I have a lot of in-law family members there, so I just want to shout out to those of you right now um, who I was texting with this morning. Hello, and I and I do want to consider myself a, uh, a, a part of the Chicago narrative now because I have married into a Chicago family. I am Florence Ion, <laughs> one half of your hosts, uh, and I am joined here by Andy Anatko, my co-host, who puts up with my rambling every week. Hi, Andy. I think we're on sort of a mutual put-upness uh, sort of <laughs> system for rambling, so we're we're fine. It's I'll, fair. Yes. Although uh, I, I will say that I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I know that a few episodes ago I said that, oh well, gee, this is episode two one something. This is going to be the last one that where there's like a, our episode number is an area code. But this is this is the one of the ways you spot out like an older person that no, no, you see area codes start the middle number is always a zero or a one. Now that comes from the days when it was all rotary dials, and so every time you dialed a zero, that was the longest number of times it would take for the for the That's rotor true. to go back to the front and it was invented that way because that way it would cut down on the number of missed dials it's also why most populous areas such as new york city got the area codes like 212 you see that's the shortest number of dial and but i have to remember that oh, oh that's right now that, that now there are two two there are there, there are all kinds of area code numbers and i'm going to <laughs> and half of them are spam calls by the way in my at least in my uh in my experience, I, I, I had some I had some work done uh, on my uh, on my internet uh, the other day, and I had to uh, I had to carefully explain as almost everybody per- carefully explains when they ask for a phone number for the service person to call, saying that well this is a mobile number I wish uh, if, it'd be great if you would either email or text because if it's a phone if it's a phone call I'm just going to assume that there's no reason for me to pick up and that and I knew that that was a common thing because it's part of like the boilerplate hey confirmation of your they make sure they told you if we call you it's going to be from this area code (laughs) so you know what that's a good point that's a really good point and by the way i just want to add i started having um uh google pick up my phone calls Hmm. and i've been doing the whole like automated and i feel like kind of a jerk because i'll have the robot do like hi this is the autom you know the automated screen call like service like who are you and are you real and then the person will like leave a you know they'll say who they are and it'll be a, re- a real person not a spam bot and i'm like oh but i don't want to talk on the phone right now though i just wanted to like yeah. make sure you weren't spam but I also don't want to, you know, and then I feel like a terrible person because I basically answered the phone in robot form. So now I've been doing the thing where I have the robot tell them that I will call them back. And I feel like a huge jerk. Yeah, like, I, I, I do because I, I, I just don't want to, my introverted self just doesn't want to interact with you right now. I'm sorry. I answered the phone in the first place. Yeah, that's exactly it. I I've, I don't know why Google doesn't have a, 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 a switch to that feature where you can just simply say, don't wait for me to tap a button. Make sure that the, all the entire decision tree is out of my hands. That is on, on first ring, you automatically answer and say, hi, this is like a, a transcription service. Andy is either is either out either away from his phone. He might be away from his phone. Or, no, actually, actually, what I want is just go immediately to voicemail and transcribe the voicemail as it comes in, so that I can do the whole like old fashioned again the th- the thing that the old timey 
uh, people who like had tape based like uh, uh, voice answering machines in like the 80s and 90s that the, the, the ability to listen to a message being left for you and then rehearse your oh 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 mom thank goodness i just i just got home it's not that i was screening calls and making sure that you were just calling for reasons that wouldn't involve me having to defend one of my cousins <laughs> and explain uh, to you by that- the way <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to interrupt uh, go ahead finish no 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 just that's see that that's why uh, the, uh, i'm i'm totally with you it's the, it's the it's i uh, even if it's someone oh oh wow that friend of mine that I haven't talked to like in a few weeks. I'm looking forward to their call. Oh, but then they'll know that I was screening their call. And then, well, it's, and then, well, no, it's, he'll understand while no, but maybe she'll, maybe he or she will think I was listening to see what she was going to say. And based on that judge, oh, damn it. Then by the time I'm going through that little passion pray play, that little moment where I'm stepping to the end of the stage, I'm in the spotlight and the rest of the cast is like frozen in the background while my interior monologue plays on. That's when they, you know, they finish and they hung up. So that's why I want to be able to pretend that I was, you know, I that I just happened to notice the phone I, that I tried to answer. But see, since it's an Android phone, you can get away with this. You can say, oh, I, I was pressing the answer button, but it wasn't engaging. I don't know why. Oh, stupid, stupid Android phone, stupid <laughs> third party pixel product. That, that's that's uh... what I want. That's what I want. I, I, I love the, the, the fact that we had this communal lie that we all agreed upon that yes of course we of course we preview our messages of course we're listening to the answering machine and of course we're only going to uh, take the call if it's something we feel as though we can deal with at this moment we all understood it we never questioned it because as much as i might have been injured by this practice i also benefited by this practice and now we we've been robbed of this I apologize for earlier, but I, it's just it triggered me because I actually broke a toe running for the answering machine Ooh. in 2002. So I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, I broke a toe, and um, because I wasn't on HMO, they covered my toe and they covered my whole leg in a cast. My dad cut that cast off, by the way, with a tremble. <laughs> just, just in case anybody was wondering, I sat my leg outside of the Eurovan. And we cut it in the off in the garage, and I prayed to God that he would not touch skin. Yeah. Anyway, um, my leg is still here, everyone. Good, just so good, everybody knows, uh, it's still around. It was a very itchy cast, uh, but this is why answering machines are dangerous, and why we don't have them anymore. Um, physically dangerous, Andy. I would like to know before uh, before I wrap off about some about some stuff that I did last week in Mountain View. I want to know how your journey is going with Notion because uh, because I want to make sure that I gave you a good... Yeah. I, I want to make sure that I gave you some advice that you could take and that I didn't like put you down a path of <laughs> awfulness. Yeah, well, so, so last week I mentioned that I'm switching list maker apps, that one of the most important things, one of the important tools in my independent journalist arsenal is the ability to capture particularly a URL of a story that like I'm reading saying, okay, this might be good to talk about on material or talk about on NPR or talk or write about here. So I have multiple lists of things that so that when it comes time to like write the show doc for this week's show, I'm not like, oh my God, what's happened this week? What's happened this week? I'm simply looking at, oh, that, that, oh, right. We didn't get to that last week. And that's pretty good. Okay. Actually, you know, that's pretty good now. Uh, so, and Flo uh, recommend Notion to me, which I had kind of heard of. It might be one of those apps where I had heard of it when it was like a really tiny thing and wasn't really much of anything. And then I've 
forgot to keep track of it and found out that I'm glad you recommended it to me. I learned that in the interval, it's turned into like this uh, so so big it's sort of annoying now where there are people who are going to just like there are people who say i decided to have an experiment where i went with the pritikin macrobiotic diet where you have no sugar let oh my god it's changed my life andy and they, they reach over and grab both your hands it's changed my life that's that's how big it is with some people um i'll say that uh, um it's worker. It's been working out well. When I see when I put the italics on the word "well," it's because uh, what I was using before was Wonderlist, where all it is is a list app, which is one of the reasons why I liked it. It just simply does the most. It was for me it was the most efficient path of this thing capture it, this thing capture it, capture to this list, capture to that list. It worked boom, with boom, your boom. brain, the way your brain works. Exactly. That's what I like to, that's so, what I like to say. Yeah. So yeah, ex exactly. So you, you learn how to use it in about 10, 10 seconds and it keeps working that right. way. Notion, it, it, it has been uh, not a completely successful experience, but only because it is almost like a platform, the platform that you use to develop your own online workspace for projects. So as a result, like I, I, I tried using it, I've been using it as a just capture URLs thing and it does that about as well as anything else. That's fine. Uh, the, pro, the, and it's really cool and ambitious because I can then if in the, in a, a year from now, it's possible that I'll have this whole like workspace thing where all my show notes are being done in Notion, and they're being shared with Flow in Notion, and they're being marked up in Notion because there's some of the, my projects are kind of uh, complicated. Like for NPR, this one link, if it, it will, it will start off as a link of uh, as a list of like four times as many links as I need. Then it will be trimmed down to maybe a dozen that I'm considering, and then of the dozen I'm considering, it'll turn into four that will four or five that'll actually go into the, the docket for the show. And each one of those I'm going to for each one of those links, each one of those four or five, I'm going to write uh, a briefing paper for uh, the shows like regular like four hour long hosts so they know like what the topic is without having to like do hours of research there's going to be sort of a bullet list sort of thing of uh, like a cheat sheet that i'm going to use when i'm on the radio so that i don't have to look up certain i don't have to remember names i don't have to remember numbers pause and what i've always wanted to do is gee i'm writing so much about these this, this stuff uh just for the show wouldn't be easy to just take the stuff and turn it into a blog post, or I like to also turn it to a blog post. So no, with Notion, especially when you see what other people are doing with it, you look at one of the 12 million different videos on, here's a look at my Notion workspace and 18 yes. we're Notion tips for new for new users. You can really see a future in which, yeah, you've, you, you learn and you struggle initially, but eventually you have this thing that just works for you automatically because you've built it to exactly your specifications. But I had two, so I started to try to use it last week from friend PR and uh, I there there I, I did turn into Steve Jobs uh, at a certain point and by that I, defi I define that as when you f I find myself saying this is a piece of blank you should be ashamed of yourself for sure shipping this 
which is which is what was happening when it was like a half hour i had a like a 45 minutes before i uh, i needed to like get my uber to the train station to go to the radio station and all i needed to do was like copy this text and like paste it into an email and notion was not letting me do that because if you do a select all it thinks oh you mean the entire paragraph here you go i've selected all of the paragraph it's like no i want all of the document yeah exactly here's all of the paragraph Okay, well, what if I export the? It says, okay, it says here export as Markdown. I'll just you take the Markdown file, and it says, okay, here's your zip file. Like I didn't want to zip. Okay, well, fine, I'll <laughs> unzip it. Here's a, here's a here's what looks like a, a a compressed hash of an XML file that looks nothing like text, and this is where the Steve Jobs came out saying. It's literally the simplest thing if you're doing a text editor to allow that person to get the text they're seeing in front of them and get it out of your app to someplace else. Why have you screwed this up in such an almost heroic fashion, particularly when now I'm not 100% sure I'm going to have time to take a shower because I thought that budgeting five minutes to export text from this was an ample time budget for this. And so, and I finally had to do it by, again, doing a lot of angry Googling and said, well, if I lock the document, then select all will affect the entire document. And that's how I got it out of there. And then later on, I, f- I cracked the code of how to export text from Notion. Uh, and so I'm, it's what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't use Notion. I'm saying realize that there's going to be a learning process, learning that uh, like uh, uh, off using it in offline mode. This, you will find the phrase, that's something we're definitely working on. When you do a Google search for how to, oh, I don't have an internet connection right now. I just thought that I could go to the coffee shop, but the internet is down. So, nope, sorry. We just didn't. Even though you have the app on your uh, on your MacBook here, no, no, no. You still need to get things. I'm saying that what, if it's there's a learning curve It'll get. I, I'm convinced it'll get better, okay. but I'm I'm not I'm not in a position where I'm saying, oh great, well I'm gonna I'm gonna move to Notion and then continue to okay. improve. It's more like I'm going to have Notion. I'm going to continue to use Notion as my URL getter, uh, and then continue to add features to my Notion workspace as I learn more about Notion. Because when you do see people who some of these some of these videos are a real great magic show. Where you see, oh my God, that is so slick, and wow, that is wonderful. There's all this stuff that uh, uh, what it does best, I think, is if you find yourself doing like a regular process that involves three or four different apps, which is what I'm doing right now for all these shows and like my blog posts and research and stuff, then you can find that Notion can do it all inside of one app. And also conceivably, because this one app has access to all of this data you're collecting and creating and managing, do things that couldn't be done by combining two or three or four different apps. And it has a really good mobile app. I don't know why the Chrome OS app is kind of crap. It's not really good. It just doesn't seem to work well for me. Uh, but and it, and it will work much better if you have if you can count on a connection to the internet than if you might be again you get to the coffee shop and their internet is down and now you have to walk all the way back home because the data you need is in notion and you can't now do that three thousand or four thousand words 
So seems so after five minutes and ten or maybe ten minutes of doing nothing but complain about Notion, the fact that I'm still going to research it and still see what I can do with it says a lot about the potential of Notion. So no, I'm glad you recommended it to me. It's a very, it's a nice app, and it yeah. might be again fast forward a year from now, and suddenly things that were a minor pain in the butt are now not at all, not, not at all a pain in the butt. It is a nice fluffy cushion underneath my butt. And the okay, hardship. I was I you know I was a little worried because I you know I. I want to give you good advice. Uh, <laughs> I have found it to be very good as a personal wiki, just for what it's worth. And also right. like managing housing, housing, managing house projects, because of I can, which you like, have many. <laughs> yes. Look, I'm that person. I'm an earth sign. It really matters how my home is set up. So it's a thing that I prioritize in my life. Um, speaking of priorities. So I, uh, we, we have a lot of like Google stuff coming up. Um, next week is a big event in New York City. Maybe by Google. I got I caught word that you're gonna be there. So does that mean that we finally get to meet each other in person after two years of doing a podcast together? Yes. So hopefully <laughs> this is not the start of a chain reaction that results in us like never ever. <laughs> okay, but here's again. but here's like the here's the thing though, is that I'm immediately like the next morning I leave at like 6 a.m. to go to the airport because I planned my flight so that I would make it back in time so that you and I could do the recording. So I could be home in time to record with you in my home studio for the post-Google episode for the show. And I'm just like, and I can't change the flight because I bought it with Miles. So it's a whole like, you know how it is. It's like a whole thing. So I'm like, oh my God. So I'm rushing back even though technically we're going to be in the exact same place in the same state like and i'm rushing back to the west coast <laughs> when i could just bring my you know because i have all this gear i could just bring with me anyway um that's life everyone that's how it works <laughs> and i didn't know you were going so I, you know i didn't want to predicate like staying in town and you know it's it's expensive to travel people when you're yes. a freelancer and you don't have uh, a boss paying for your travel that you can expense um, so that's why Flo doesn't travel unless mm. she really, really wants to. That's kind of how it is. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, definitely, we'll definitely get together. Will we have time to record anything together while we're face to face? I don't know because I have I have to file some work for a client and uh, and then I have to prepare for all about Android that night um, because I'm going to taking a lot of B-roll for the show. Right. Uh, very, very, sorry. Very behind the scenes inside that's baseball fine. here. But, you know. If you're listening to the show, you probably watch both Andy and I and our respective Twitch shows. So, you know, there's <laughs> some things that go into that. Um, well, I'm glad we'll finally, we'll, we'll coordinate over our, our we'll, ways of communication. We'll figure, we will figure something out. We will. I'll at least be able to give you like a hug in person and, you know, like, like actually get to see you in the flesh, which is go. a thing I, we never have done before, but. Thanks, Skype. Not sponsored by Microsoft. Um, I did want to bring up the fact that last week uh, I went to Mountain View, which is always a treat because it's is always a, a treat going to Google headquarters because it is, if anybody has ever been to Disney World in Florida or Disneyland in Anaheim, California, you know that like the minute you enter the Disney realm, it's just this like circle of Disney. Like all the signs change and it's just like, and the, and the atmosphere kind of changes and that's what it's like going to Google HQ in Mountain View. And so I got to go last week to an Android TV showcase. And so actually, uh, as we're recording this, 
this morning, we're recording this on October 10th, and this morning uh, there was some news that came out about Android TV's new kind of Google Assistant um, interactions. So the ability to use the Assistant on your Android TV to control smart things in your home. Now, this has kind of already existed in Android TV because it has the Google Assistant integrated in it anyway. So if you had like a Mi Box, like Andy and I have, or if you have an NVIDIA Shield TV, or even if you have one of those TVs with the Android TV app built in, like you're able to use the assistant to like turn off the lights, check on, you know, your Nest camera and that sort of thing, anything that integrates with it. So Google did a little showcase at its HQ to kind of show off some of the devices uh, that work with this. And, you know, it was, I, I'm, you know, a veteran of this stuff. So I kind (laughs) of had already had this stuff figured out in my home because that's what I do for fun and also for work. So we, you know, we got to check out, um, I got to see a, there was a Philips 24 inch uh, kitchen TV that comes with the Android TV built in that's coming out this, uh, this holiday season. And it's, it's really pretty. It's a pretty little device and it's basically like a 24 inch display. And then below it, there's a little speaker system and it acts independently as a Google assistant speaker. So when you're not using the display, you still have Google assistant smart speaker access. But if you want to watch TV, um, you can ask it to do that and then it'll turn on the display. Not exactly the same as a smart display, uh, in terms of, of, the user interaction, but it's just interesting to know, like there are these two different scenarios for how the Google assistant is manifested in this. I also did not know, by the way, even though this news apparently came out in late May that, uh, the GE microwaves have Google assistant integration. (laughs) So now I have to go buy a GE microwave, which by the way, they're not that, uh, I mean, in, in terms of microwaves, they're not that expensive. They're only like, they're like between 80 and a hundred (laughs) bucks. which is pretty affordable if, you know, you just need a standard run-of-the-mill microwave. But yeah, they have Google Assistant control, so you can like pop your soup or your popcorn in there, and then you ask the assistant to turn on the microwave, and it like does that for you. And I think I might end up just buying a microwave that does that because <laughs> because I like the, because I'm never satisfied with how the, my, I, I like really hot food and I'm never satisfied, satisfied about how hot the food is when it first comes out of the microwave. And so I'm just like, oh, this will make it so that I don't have to get my lazy butt up <laughs> to reheat it again. Um, I also got to see a new Hisense TV, super high res. Xiaomi has a laser projector that they sell at Walmart. It's like a thousand dollars though. So it's like very out of my price range. So I got to see some of like the, you know, the device showcase with an Android TV. But the interesting thing that I wanted to share with those of you listeners who are listening right now is that Google walked us through a, uh, a survey, a survey that they did in partnership with YouGov. So they surveyed 2000 internet users to kind of understand like the different TV viewing habits and how to like apply that, apply that to their Android TV trajectory. And so I just want to share some tidbits from this because I was, they were interesting to me. So of the four devices owned on average, uh, 48% of people watch TV through a smart TV, 38% watch TV through a traditional TV, 38% 38% watch through a smartphone, uh, 37% watch through a, de- a desktop or a laptop computer, and 23% watch through a tablet. 
So there are more people watching TV through a smartphone than there are tablets, which I thought was very interesting. <laughs> um, let's see. They had a statistics about like the most popular activities while watching TV. Um, 39% said they do chores, which I can attest. Laundry is the most popular thing I do. 68% said they eat and drink, which my husband and I, that is like, Listen, we are the standard American family. We sit down in front of the TV and we, with our TV dinners, with our dinner that is all made, and we go, what are we watching tonight for our one hour of TV together? Uh, but the really interesting part is they actually looked at the generations of folks watching TV and how they're getting that content. And this is what I wanted to share with everybody. So the way media entertainment are delivered has changed. So Gen Z unsurprisingly, is the largest uh, sector of population that watch TV with streaming services with only 3% of the silent generation, yes, they are part of this, watching TV through streaming services. And baby boomers are 24%, while Gen Xers are smack dab in the middle the whole way down from streaming services to cable satellite to streaming and cable satellite. And it's worth noting that the silent generation is the highest. So the silent generation is anybody who came before boomers, for those who, the uninitiated. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. I did. I, I really wanted to know, like, who are the silent generation? But that, that, that might have come across as a joke that we don't know because they never mentioned it. Well, well, they want they get some representation in the survey. So sixty five percent of them are watching. Didn't we, didn't we used to call them the greatest generation because of you know World War II and the Depression and stuff? Well, I, I guess that's Gen Z now. So maybe, Gen Z maybe is they're watching, not silent. Maybe we're just not listening to them. That's probably also fair. So the silent generation, sixty five percent are still watching TV with cable satellite only. So they're kind of the ones that are hanging on to that. With boomers behind at forty three percent. Um, and then we have, it's across the board throughout the generations for folks who are watching TV with both streaming and cable satellite. So I just wanted to introduce, I know I was like, wow, Flo, thank you for introducing us a bunch of numbers <laughs> that we have to now keep track of. But I just thought it was interesting to note our TV habits have obviously changed throughout the generations. I thought this was a very interesting kind of part of how we're all evolving our TV watching skills. Um, and now Android TV can start your popcorn for you yeah. remotely. So yeah, I've, I've that's never... where we are in 2019. <laughs> I'm I'm, st uh, the, I'm I'm still not super convinced that I need like smart connected devices like a like when I'm standing in front of like the panel for a microwave oven how like I've got all I have to do is keep hitting the one one minute plus button and that's pretty much but then you have get... to stand in front of it no you don't, you don't you're 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 you are a free individual you're allowed to walk away from it the the only thing the only feature that I've always like really wanted was. Like universally, that uh, like uh, I cook a lot of stuff with my sous vide, and so mm -hmm. I'll set like a time. So I'll I just want to not have to start the sous vide and then say, "Hey Guillermo, set a timer for uh, two hours and fifteen minutes." Right. I want to be able to start the sous vide and then simply ask assistant, "Hey, is my is my chicken done?" And they tell me it's. It's now at the point where you would get a little bit sick, but not terribly sick. So if you're in a big rush, however, if you don't want to get sick at all, wait another 20 minutes. Yeah. 
Uh, well, that's all I wanted to share. Okay. That's what I wanted to share with everybody. So, um, one no. final update on our research experiment before yes. we go to commercial. Yes. So, yes, just please. quick update on the Gimpy Gimpy Bush experiment. Uh, we have held ground uh, a web search for quote podcast about the Gimpy Gimpy unquote. We are uh, the material podcast is still the number two, the number three, and the number five search result uh, for op- episode uh, podcast episodes about the Gimpy Gimpy Bush in the top ten. So, same as last week, we have not gained ground. We've not lost ground. So that's the consistency I think is what will make this uh, valuable data for either researchers or for people who are selling ads on this show. Mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm thank okay you with to our Aus- And thank you to our Aussie listener folks out there for just being so engaged in this skimpy, skimpy journey. Exactly. And, really and staying it. alive just on a week to week basis. That, Im- that impresses yeah. me a lot. Just don't touch it. Whatever you do. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom. While you've been listening to this podcast, how would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if customers couldn't click that buy now button or access your content? You might stumble across the problem by luck, but that's no good. You need a system. You need something to tell you that everything is running smoothly on your site. And more importantly, when it's not. You need Pingdom. Pingdom will let you know the moment your site goes down in whatever way is best for you. They're smart, too. They'll get the information needed to solve the issue sent to whomever needs it, whether that's one person or your entire team. They are dedicated to making the web faster and more reliable. They use more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. All Pingdom needs is your URL, and they take care of the rest. Don't risk being the last to know about something on your site breaking. Start monitoring your site today. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then, when you sign up, use the code MATERIAL at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. Okay, so we are starting off with a very, very hot news piece. Uh, and by hot, I mean highly... Not sexy, not sexy at all. Yeah, I was trying to think of an acronym, H-O-T, but whatever, we're not going to do that. <laughs> um, my brain can't function that well today. As you can hear, I'm a little congested, so I'm speaking to you on a 70% functioning brain today. Hellaciously um, obnoxious tech story. Yes, that's a good one, Andy. Love it. Got okay. TM. Offensive. Don't, don't let offensive tech story. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So the thing about this is, if you've been following tech Twitter, you probably saw some of the major sites. Uh, the Verge was one of the sites talking about this. So we might have remember our podcast from a couple of weeks back, where we had talked about Google doing uh, field re- research. So what they were doing is uh, handing out. gift cards in exchange for 3D face scans. Now, we didn't really realize at the time like what was going on with these particular face scans. We're just like, oh, of course, yeah, Google is the uh, purveyors of data. You know, they just constantly 
collect all that stuff, they aggregate it. And yeah. of course, with the new uh, solely enabled face unlock that's coming in the Pixel 4, we figured, well, of course, you want to train the AI to be able to like do that and you know see different faces. Well, yeah, unfortunately- and, 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 and in, <laughs> This came out kind of in July and Google at the time said, well, no, we're trying to broaden. Also, also we want to make sure it's more diverse because very face recognition and face ID is very, very uh, famously skewed towards right. like Caucasian faces, not enough experience right. with uh, darker skin tones. And so, oh, isn't that nice? Okay, that sounds like it's creepy, but I'm sure there's, well, that's actually a good thing. Thank you, Google. Wow, that was back in July and we're in, in October July, and yes. I just said it was weeks <laughs> ago. Um, that's how time flies for me. So Google had contracted a company to collect these faces, um, but they had also contracted a company to collect more faces of darker skin folks to kind of improve that facial recognition and those face unlock features. And as we had reported, they were approaching people in person at public places uh, and with events and excuse me, at events with a customized, customized device, again, 70% operating here <laughs> to collect, to collect uh, people's faces. So the New York daily news, which I know you're hearing me say this and you're like, really flow. You guys brought the day, the New York daily news into the material podcast. Yes, because they reported that this contractor, which was Randstad, spelled R-A-N-D-S-T-A-D, if anybody wants to Google it, was kind of doing some questionable slash creepy behavior in collecting this data for Google. So according to the Daily News, uh, Randstad was collecting facial scans from homeless people and college students, excuse me, the unhoused and college students. And they were being cagey about what the sample device was really doing. So it was a phone inside of a thick case, which some might see and be like, oh, okay, they're doing research purposes. You're thinking, oh, that's a big battery. You know, we already know those pixels have small batteries that we complain about all the time. So, you know, maybe you were thinking, oh, it's just a big battery to keep it lasting so they could be out on their shift. Well... Ooh, probably a little more nefarious than that. So it turns out that the workers were specifically trained to conceal what data was actually being collected. And that was the data that was going to Google. And they were even denying that the, any video recording was taking place. So people were kind of picking up these devices and they would be like, oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's not really taking video. You know, if somebody would ask like, oh, did that just take a video of me, you know? And they would say, oh, no, no, that didn't really happen. And workers were quoted by the Daily News as saying, quote, we were told not to tell people that it was a video, even though it would say on the screen that a video was taken, unquote. <laughs> so that's seedy. That's not okay. Uh, another one of the workers was quoted as saying, one of the days of training was basically building a vocabulary that distracts the user from the actual task at hand as much as possible. The phrase mini game was brought up a lot. So... That's, again, extremely misleading when you were going up to like random people on the street and you're like, hey, can I collect some data from you for a quote unquote mini game? And you're like, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, sure, of course, a mini game. And, you know, I'm I'm inclined to trust the person yeah. because I am who I am as a person. But these contractors, they were actually misled by the managers by the Randstand managers uh, into thinking that as long as they hit their goals with the 3D scans, they might be getting a full-time job with Google. So for them, it's like, oh, well, 
you know what, I'm going to go do this. It's going to be great for me down the line. Uh, this work, you know, I'm sure this is like going to be contributing to whatever big tech thing. And They're this probably is telling like, their, their friends, their, their friends, their parents, oh, I'm not working for Google yet, but I'm basically on the next rung of the ladder is Google employment. And it just, I want to say, you know, they were doing this in like New York and Los Angeles. Okay. These are very expensive places to live. And you know, when you're a college kid or fresh out of college, like you're doing anything for money. <laughs> okay. And I'm speaking from experience because yep. that's the way this world works. And if you're thinking that, oh, this might be my in somewhere when, you know, maybe you come from, from a, a major or a background that maybe doesn't necessarily lead you to have these kind of uh, opportunities, you're thinking, oh, this is great. So that is a bummer uh, to have that. Here's where it gets even a little more like dicey. Okay, so one team was sent to Atlanta, Georgia, specifically to get scans of darker skin folks because demographically Atlanta has more darker skin folks than let's say maybe LA. Um, so Randstad, uh, one of the contractors had said, Randstad said to target homeless people because they're the least likely to say anything to the media ouch, uh, the homeless people didn't know what was going on at all. I'm sure because they're de dealing with a lot. <laughs> We're not, they don't have services to help them with what they might already be dealing with. Um, the unnamed person who told the Daily News that Randstad sent the contractors to Atlanta to focus on black homeless folks also told the newspaper that a Google manager was not present when that order was made. So we don't really know if like this was coming from the higher ups at Google, or if this was just an inclination from the contracting company to say like, well, go do this because this is why this data is being collected. So uh, it's, it's dicey. So all the workers' instructions had come directly through the contractor, Randstad, and Google managers were in regular contact with the contractor. And some contractors even had pass cards to get them into the Google offices in New York. But a Google spokesperson had said, we're taking these claims seriously and investigating them. The allegations regarding truthfulness and consent are in violation of our requirements for volunteer research studies and the training that we provided. And so we're kind of we're kind of sitting here scratching our heads. And by the way, I hope you were all able to follow that because I know I'm a little under the weather and just kind of <laughs> thank you all for still tuning in, even though Flo is congested and doing this. Um, we're all just kind of scratching our heads trying to figure out, you know, the, uh, the ethics of this whole thing, because I understand why you want to collect this kind of information for the technology that Google is trying to put out into the world, but the way that it's collected and, you know, the contractors that a company deals with, it's not a good, it's not good PR. That's, yeah, that's I mean, what I would say. <laughs> yeah, at at minimum, and it it really does show uh, one of the one of the problems of Google and Apple and all these other companies relying on outside contractors to do so much of their work, uh, and also one of the reasons why their use of contractors can make things look really really suspicious. Because on the one hand, part of part of the problem with this story for me or uh, is trying to figure out 
at what there are three things uh, on the on the menu here. Number one, how much of what these what the what Randstad was doing was at the specific request of Google saying, well, absolutely, no, we should you should definitely uh, target people who are not going to talk. Here are some here are some lists of people who are probably not even going to look at the whatever it is that they're agreeing to on the sign. How much of it was? Uh, Google be, Google giving them a broad mandate and being legitimately aghast that they've decided to fulfill the contract this way. And third, which is just as important, how much of it was just, here is, we're going to give you these targets. And you and I both know that there is no simple linear way to meet these targets without doing things that we would not approve of if we and we would certainly not want to have any record of us telling you to get these get these uh, got this number of data this way but you know what to do and that's the problem with uh, with contractors even if google is completely hands off as innocent as they could possibly be under these circumstances the fact that they're still on the hook for saying yeah but you allowed this contractor to do this work on your behalf. And so maybe if they were actual Google employees, you would have had closer oversight and more control over them because they because they would have had the hanging over their head, by the way, uh, it, we didn't tell you not to mislead homeless people uh, as part of this research because we thought you weren't that dumb. And so therefore, congratulations, you're no longer working at Google. Have fun. Uh, you can't do that to people who are working for a contractor. They know that their 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 butt is on the street as soon as this thing is done. Anyway, so they'll you, you don't have the control over the people. You need to be able to control yeah. uh, to take re, to take responsibility for what everybody is doing in your name, and also to create the standards by which they have to they have to uh, they have to behave. So it's I, I hope this isn't a case of Google saying that we don't want the we want the results. We don't want the responsibility. We want them to do their they want them we want them to do what we want them to do we don't want to have to we want we also want to be able to say however they went about doing it that's not our responsibility but we still have yeah. the data that's the problem yeah yeah it's also hard because um in these in these regions you're probably also dealing with people who just have like a lifetime of bias hmm. from where they're from like that's that's what i'm thinking about in terms of um I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm taking it too far. I don't know. But I I feel like maybe the managers at Randstad, like some of them are just bad seeds <laughs> with yeah. with years of bias that they've taken and maybe that's, you know what I mean? And you know, Google says, "Well, we need we need folks, we need more diverse faces to kind of help build out this AI." And the managers are hearing that as like, "Oh, okay." You know what I mean? They kind of take it into their own uh, that's what I'm suggesting. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, this is this is um, this is a news story. So this is kind of this is something that's being reported on. It's it's not. It's gonna be prevalent. I think during next week's announcement for the Pixel Four, I think this is gonna pop up again. I'm pretty sure once we hear about the facial recognition, I'm pretty sure there's gonna be some tweets that are like, "Remember that this happened to get this." Uh, technology working a certain way so and let's let's also let's also acknowledge that as a as a at a risk of really really bringing the tone down a uh, wealthy powerful organization uh 
roping dark-skinned people into research experiments without creating without informed consent at the proper going. depth is part going. of the rather bad history of America and although this has nothing to, this is not nearly as bad as what previous organizations and governments have done in the past it's not a it's not a good not thing a good to it's, it's it's not something you want to be associated with on any level shape or form and and it's 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 amazing that a company can be this tone deaf when it comes to <sighs> and it's not well, as, it's, and it's not as though Google has has had a a a crystal clear record over the past year or two with privacy and with respecting individual rights oh well we'll see whatever whatever happens is going to happen and i think that google has has some punishment coming to them and we're here to continue to informing you of yes. all these things that are happening. Uh, so on that note, let's take a break before we head into our next topic of... Yes. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud. And you can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Linode serve their customers with the help of 10 data centers across the globe. And they're about to add more. Mumbai, India, and Toronto, Canada will both have data centers before 2020. Linode features native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors, meaning you're able to serve your customers even faster than before. And so you don't have to stress about overspending, Linode have designed their pricing tiers to feature hourly billing, with the added bonus of a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services, such as backups and node balancers. Their plans start at 1 gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting, at, starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And Linode have a special offer for you. As a listener of this show, you can go to linode.com slash material and use promo code material2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. On the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that is four free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. Give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash material and promo code material2019 to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So I think that this is just the perfect middle piece of this sandwich that we have for the podcast this week which is Andy appropriately labeled this section the era of weird-shaped Android phones. So first, we're going to talk about an Android phone that was announced last week that got us um, got us intrigued about kind of like what the future of Microsoft is going to be in the Android realm. And then we're going to kind of put it off with a weird-tasting Dijon mustard. <laughs> um, because anything doing with Andy Rubin is bound to go a little sour. Exactly. So... <laughs> Uh, let's start with Microsoft. So Microsoft last week teased, oh my gosh, a bunch of like devices. If you're a Microsoft fan, there's a, you have a lot to look forward to. And thank you for listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, they teased the Surface Duo phone, which is, by the way, we found out in subsequent articles that it's not exactly a phone. Like they, like you can make phone calls with it, but it's not like the thing you hold up to your, to your ear and go, Hey girl, how you doing? Kind of thing. <laughs> 
you know what I mean? In, in that terms. And can, by the way, can, we're not. Can gonna, I also point out yes. that again, those of you, those of you who are not me and therefore can't see like the video stream. Uh, Florence Ion, although she is of the youngest, youngest generation here, used the universal like 1950s telephone handset <laughs> gesture yeah, I did. to signal. I did. This, there's some things that I, I do believe that like a hundred years from now, people are going to say, why, why were, why would, is it that people in like the the the, the 20th and 21st century would you do the the universally understood hang loose gesture <laughs> to mean talking to people exactly. on the phone? Exactly. But no, we are mimicking a 1950s head, handset that was anyway. I just wanted so while we're saying this is not a phone, we are also mimicking an old timey phone. But and I just want to say I do have wireless earbuds, and that's still how I talk on the phone. True, but you can't stick your fingers <laughs> in your ears and say I talked to this person on the phone that you're sending a whole mess on the message. But yeah, so they don't. Microsoft doesn't want this to be thought of as a phone, even though in the demo video they show people like taking and making phone calls on the phone. But basically, as a way of showing off how having two 5.6 inch color screens separated by a 360 degree hinge could be cool. As in, like you've got a phone call going on like the left page while you're taking notes on the right page or whatever. So that I do, I don't think they want yeah they pro microsoft probably doesn't want you to think of oh so it's a phone but it's really too big it's got a crappy camera no it's not it's something new ooh, ooh, ooh. don't call it a phone and it might just very well be like the one few quote unquote android tablet that we're gonna have <laughs> in uh in this category so at the moment so by the way the surface duo is not due out until like late next holiday so holiday 2020 which is a year from now and anything can happen a year from now. Right. In the terms of like tech development. Um, I think about Samsung and how, when they announced that they were doing the folding phone last November, they had a folding phone prototype at their February event. And like that made sense to me to kind of like pre-announce it. And then a couple months later, granted we saw how that turned <laughs> out with Samsung, but that made sense to me in terms of, you know, getting the hype out. This to me feels like a very Microsofty move because Microsoft is very much about its developers. I know there is that trope that we we keep saying that Balmer quote from way back in the day, but it's true because that's where Microsoft really excels. It's with the developer community that they have behind them. And so my thinking is that getting the hype by the way, if anybody hears stuff happening in the background, my foundation's being worked on. So oh. just as an <laughs> FYI. Um directly right under me. Just for what it's worth, because I live on a race foundation. So fun. Um, it's worth noting that I think they're trying to get the hype for the developers to kind of build apps for this. So at the moment, the Surface Duo is running Android Pie with full Play Store access. But, you know, Microsoft is working, or rather worked directly with Google in its development. And um, Microsoft Chief Product Officer Panos Panay had been carrying it and using it regularly for months. So this has been not just in development, but it's also like it's currently being used. It's being iterated on. It's being worked on. But I am wondering how this is going to be any different from a Chromebook that runs Android apps. Because as much as I love the Chromebook, and um, we actually had, I've been talking numerously about this with folks in the industry the last couple of um, days. 
when I've been able to talk and not sick, <laughs> which is that like, how is this Microsoft strategy going to differ from what we have with the Chromebook? Because it's great that we have Android apps on the Chromebook and it definitely fills in the gaps in some places, but it's not fully serving the needs of those of us who need like a full fledged operating system. And that's why like, I'm thinking I'm going to New York on Monday. Guess what? I don't think I'm bringing the Chromebook with me. I think I'm bringing that old windows laptop that I have around because I need to be able to do video editing and I need to be able to have full access to Photoshop and Lightroom and not whatever the mobile equivalent of, of it is. And so I'm thinking Microsoft is doing the Surface Duo teaser to, you know, get the eyes of companies like Adobe and uh, other developers in its realm to think like, well, how can we make, make desktop style apps for this kind of uh, platform? I'm into the aesthetics of having yeah. a dual screened little tablet in my purse. Like, I think this is awesome. I would love to have one of these little things, like have my little pixel three, you know, <laughs> for everything that I do. And then like, if I want to, maybe I want to read or maybe I want to like quickly edit a, you know, maybe I want to edit a photo that's in my Google photos library and make it look nice. I would love to be able to just like drag and drop and do that with a little tablet device. But will I really be able to do that with the Android apps that currently exist? Prob yeah, it's it's weird. I I have to say that I'm really excited about the Surface Duo and also the Surface Neo, even though I don't want to call it the Neo because it reminds me of it, it reminds me of the Matrix. And I listen, we still love Keanu Reeves. He's still fine in 2019, so it's okay. Exactly. We can think of just, Keanu Reeves. I've, I've had bad experiences with the Matrix. That's all. Not in the Matrix, but with the Matrix. But the the idea of uh, as when they first showed off. Uh, Devices with actual folding screens, like one one uh, screen that actually folds in the middle without a hinge. I always thought that that's kind of uh, unnecessary. It's nice, it's but it's a wholly unproven technology. We don't know how durable it's going to be. We've had a robot that was folding and unfolding it. Uh, the uh, one of the new uh, Samsung devices for I think it failed at eighty thousand folds or something like that when it was promised to be one hundred and twenty thousand whatever, but it's still you're you're gonna for the first couple of years you got to be pretty loose with a dollar to decide that I'm going to take a risk on having this device when in terms of solving a problem and making a device more useful having two full touch screens separated by a hinge opens a lot of a lot of possibilities like there there have been a lot of times where uh, like if i'm like, like right now i'm testing the iphone 11 where um i actually i'm telling you i do have like both my pixel one phone and my and the iphone 11 like open in my hand at the same time because like i'm reading something no like reading in the, in the almost like in the same hand i did a visual as, on the exactly. skype by the way <laughs> looking at both my palms this is andy looking at both his phones <laughs> but yeah like almost as though they were connected by a hinge just like next to each other in my hand because uh, fortunately because uh, fortunately or unfortunately i am a dude so i have larger hands but it, but it means that like if i'm waiting for if i'm uh, waiting for an uber or if i'm there's something this time critical i'm kind of keeping an eye on i will have like the uber map like on the <laughs> on the uh, on the pixel one but on the uh, iphone 11 i'll have whatever web page i'm reading or whatever it is that's distracting me while i'm waiting eight to ten minutes to 20 minutes to 30 minutes to what the hell is the deal with this rideshare coming out and that's the sort of th even if that was the only thing that it did that would be an intriguing device but some of the things that they were showing off was uh, when you have apps that are optimized or targeting this device the ability to have like uh 
your in your inbox you have a your inbox is on the left hand screen and the actual uh message that you're focused in on at the moment is on the right hand screen and being able to move things from one app to another just simply by dragging it across the hinge into this into this other place where i was talking earlier about using notion where so much of what i what i need to do to get my work done involves getting two or three different uh, uh data and list aggregation apps and creation apps to sort of function as one. Well, if I could have Wonderlist on the left-hand pane uh, and then uh, Google Docs on the right-hand pane, that in itself would be a big boost to my productivity. The, the difficulty, though, is that I think that I'm making a case more for owning a uh, Surface uh, a, uh, a Surface Neo, the one that runs uh, this new version of Windows 10, which is larger than the Duo, not necessarily pocketable unless you're talking about like my outside jacket pocket or my my tactical pants which have ipad sized back pockets uh the thing is it would for the surface duo to take the place of whatever iphone or pixel phone i'm going to be using in 2020 or 2021 it's gonna have to have like for starters as good a camera as either of those devices and i'm not sure that they're going to want to microsoft is going to want to have to design that kind of functionality into it so it's an intriguing idea i hope they run with it the problem with microsoft is that unlike apple that has kind of a <laughs> and i wouldn't say dictatorial control over their developers but they have an immense amount of power over developers to say well we're uh, uh, to not only enforce uh an update to uh to their hardware line, but also to at least assure them that, hey, we're Apple. If we've decided to put in a touch bar, it means that we're not just going to do put this in one device and hope it takes off and then maybe support in the future. We are really committed to this. When Microsoft does a device like this, they are really going to have to convince a lot of developers to, don't, no, 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 I know that you want to spend all this time, resources, and money into adding features to your existing successful product. We're saying, please divert some of those resources towards uh, supporting this kind of quirky feature for this kind of quirky new hardware line that God knows if you'll be able to buy it anywhere but at woot.com at an 80% discount in 2021-2022. So I hope I'm hoping for it because I was really Ouch. I was really really excited by particularly the Surface uh, the Surface Neo idea. I could really see me having that as my basic walk around notebook because uh, it, it ticks so many buttons for me and also it's it's cool i will also admit it's cool i agree uh, i agree the duo i'm glad to see some movement in in phone space some I'm, I'm glad to see new shapes new approaches some of them they they all have to prove themselves in the real world uh we some of them might be more provable than others i think with our, as with our next story maybe <laughs> Okay, so I just want to preface this by saying I think it is a total bummer. So Essential had kind of debuted its next phone, and I think it's a total bummer that Ruben was the one who tweeted it mm -hmm. and the initial photos and the initial teaser of it because it completely takes away from the people who worked on this and who Absolutely. were excited to put this out into the ether. And I kind of expected that by now a central would have like their PR department would have said, you know what, let's not have Andy do that yes. because Andy still has not apologized for uh, the New York Times article that uh, basically, you know, kicked out of Google for sexual the... harassment and coercion. Yes. Yeah. Let's not forget 90 million dollars. Yes. Um, 
That's I mean, a lot walk, of money. Walk away with $90 that million dollars after, I will again, never see in my lifetime. Yes. So. Yes. Um, and I never sexually harassed anybody. You know, uh, uh, before, anyway. you know before we go on, I, I will say that I actually paused before putting this into the show docs for exactly that reason that, oh, God, Andy frickin' Rubin. And, but, uh, but of course, eventually said, well, I am – this is an interesting idea for a phone. It looks like it's actually going to happen if I didn't – the number of times where I spoke positively about Andy Rubin ideas before it was known that he was a sec- – he was, uh, again, a – if we kicked out of Google for sexual harassment and coercion, I would have – based on the hardware, I would have I would have been interested in this and talked about this anyway. This isn't like when like a comedian has been convicted of horrible crimes and now you can't really look at the same material again because there's that face, there's that voice, <laughs> there's that point of view. And as you say, a phone is made by a huge team of people and it is a shame that its most objectionable person is the person who's on his personal account, I think, sharing out and saying, hey, here's this new thing we're doing. It really just leaves a bad, bad taste in your mouth. But yeah. but now let's move. Um, now we can move forward. Hopefully we can move we forward. We can. That, uh, so let's let's just focus on the phone for right now. I yes. mean, I obviously I if we had more time, we would not be. But <laughs> listen, you you can all hear me in other places talk about this. Uh, and Andy knows how I feel about yes. it. So, and I'm sure you all do. So the image that was tweeted out by that who shall not be named shows a selection of narrow phones. Now they look like conventional smartphones, but kind of sliced in half. And I was on uh, Miriam Jory's podcast yesterday and I had told her that this reminded me of an old Samsung Juke phone, which came out on the Verizon network in, I don't know, the late, like the late 2000s before 2010. So I don't know, like 2007. Andy's Googling it right now. Um, It was basically a flip phone and it was like a tiny little phone. And then it would kind of uh, jackknife out or whatever, switchblade out, you want to say. And then it would turn into like this long skinny phone. And so this is what it kind of reminded me of. And when you look at this phone side by side with the Surface Duo, then you're like, oh, those two would be really cool to kind of have in my arsenal on me every day. Like you have your cool skinny phone and you have this UI uh, that it's just kind of this long scrolling UI. It sort of reminds me of kind of what Android Auto is like when you use it. Like it just keeps going and going and going. And so that idea is just like, you're mostly using your voice. You're not typing a lot on the screen and you're kind of just going and going and going and having the features that you need most uh, at your disposal. And so this is being called Project Gem. And part of the reason is because if you look at these phones now, go to the official Essential Twitter account, which is what I'm going to link yes. in the show I should, notes. I should mention, it wasn't tw- the, the photos weren't tweeted by Andy Rubin's personal account. It was tweeted out by the Essential uh, corporate after, account after Andy. Okay, had, after he did. Yeah, after that's that's, the, that's what I was googling when you said Andy is probably is googling this for me right now. I said, ooh, what am I supposed to be googling for? <laughs> for oh, I thought you were googling the Samsung Juke. No, uh, <laughs> no, I was, I was saying, wait, Google did that. I? I'm yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, the image that Essential had tweeted out it just shows these like beautiful kind of like gemmy colored phones, kind of a remnant of the flip phones, some of the flip phones that we had in the early 2000s. They're very pretty. 
they have this uh, big camera bump on the back kind of shows that there is, you know, you will be able to take pictures with this and a little divot for a fingerprint reader, kind of like what we have on the pixels right now. Um, it's, they're in early testing right now. You kind of just see whatever is in the promo shots. So you can only imagine what it is that the UI is going to be like, but the, some of the images show like a phone that's lit up and working and kind of shows like what the UI will look like, sort of what I described earlier. And it's just an interesting time to think, you know, we've been bundling in different cameras on phones. Like Chinese OEMs have really been doing different things with the aesthetics of phones, like the way phones uh, pop up their cameras, the different lenses that are, you know, bundled in. We've been seeing these phones come out uh, that are more like gamer focused, that have like built-in fans and stuff like that. But we haven't really seen an innovation that would affect, I want to say the mainstream users. Not to say that, folks who are using Chinese phones are not mainstream users, but here in the U.S., you know, we already have a problem getting Chinese phones here as it is. <laughs> so then this is coming from an American-based company. So it's just kind of interesting to think about how this might exist alongside the interfaces that are being developed by companies like Microsoft. I wish it was coming from a company that wasn't so embroiled in controversy, at present, yeah, I would like to hear from the developers that are working on this versus from Ruben directly because I want to know when they were working on this, like what were they thinking about when they were in their meetings talking about user interface. And so Ruben has blocked a lot of uh, journalists who spoke out <laughs> on Twitter, which is whatever. It's 2019. You can block people if you want. Uh, so we'll see what the coverage is going to be like around this. But I will say in terms of moving UIs forward, in terms of the kind of innovation that we should see coming out of 2020, I am much more excited about what is coming from a Central and Microsoft versus what I've seen coming from Samsung with its foldable phone. Sorry. I know a lot of people are really excited about the foldable phone and the idea. For me, it's just kind of like me. I'm not really, that's not really my, how I want to use a phone. So these are a little more exciting for me because I'm still okay with the idea of carrying two devices. That's why I have yeah. a smaller phone. And that's why I have a small phone and a Chromebook that I carry with me everywhere. Cause that's kind of how I want my usage to be. So. Yeah. And I'm, I, I have to say that I'm really intrigued by uh, the design of the this project gem phone it really mm -hmm. does look like my the like the remote from my apple tv only yes. scaled up quite a bit uh, yes. but it's still thin it's still very very narrow the idea that it could fit in more pockets than uh, conventional phones can the jacket pockets andy exactly come on you you men have jacket pockets i don't know why they don't give it to us women which is kind of <laughs> pisses me off but you can well, just open your little jacket pocket and just pop it in there hmm. <laughs> uh, see it also gave me like sort of a weird flashback to um the joaquin phoenix movie uh, her from a few years ago yeah where uh, it's the one where in a sort of like parallel not too distant future where there's like a a phone operating system that's all like smart assistant based that has like a interactive personality stay tuned to tuesday's google event though sorry keep going <laughs> 
uh, where to and to let the assistant like see what you're seeing. It's not like you you've got a pair of smart glasses on. You just like put the phone in your pocket, and the and the camera section of it is just above, like periscopes a little bit above. Uh, he actually it's adorable. He actually puts like a safety pin in his pocket to make it narrow enough. Like anyway, so it made me kind of think that if this really is as smart assistant based as like the rumors from a few months ago were making it believe, wouldn't that be an interesting idea to have uh, a compact phone you stick that's designed to be stuck into a shirt pocket or onto the strap of a of your bag or whatever, where a lot of what it's giving you is based on its ability to look to see the world around you and, and reflect back. That's but that's just something that occurred to me. That's not something that's really there. In and of itself, I think it's. Int- it, I'm all for companies trying to come up with different ideas for form factors, because just as the reason why I'm so intrigued by the idea of a laptop where instead of a keyboard and a screen, it's a screen and a screen. Uh, I I I rebel against the idea that. The laptop form factor was perfected in 1991. We got it completely right. As soon as somebody decided to put an LCD on one hand and then a pointing device and a keyboard mm-hmm. on the other side of a hinge, there's no need to even keep thinking about it. That's perfect. If you fast forward a thousand years, we'll still have computers exactly like this. So it's great to see people thinking, well, what if what if in 2019, 2020, it would be even as useful, if not more useful, to have another screen there? Or why do we always have uh, – what, what would happen if we decided that a phone doesn't have to have the form factor of either a sheet of paper or a movie or a TV show? What if we actually made it half the size? And when you think about it, given that so much of what people are using phones for – aren't watching necessarily watching movies, streaming video, uh, reading long stuff. It really is just here is the tweet that someone sent out. Here is the message conversation I'm having through WeChat or through uh, whatever messaging service I'm using. I really just want to snap a picture and send it to somebody uh, either on Instagram or whatever. That's a, that's a credible idea. It's it's this we're going to have to see how it actually plays out. Uh, it it the thin facts that they send out via Twitter are that well now that they suggest that there are working versions of this that they're that people who work for essential or designing this thing are out in public with uh, so as opposed to hey look here's something that a a a a design student rendered up as part of a design project and decided to actually post to try to get some work from this looks like a real thing but we'll see how this works out again uh, i already talked we already talked about how um hard it's going to be for even microsoft to convince developers to please create form fa- create software that works with this weird form factor device when you talk about Essential, who has had one phone that was, uh, again, such a failure that uh, with, before too long, you could buy it at a steep, steep discount from Woot and other <laughs> and other sellers, and also brings the baggage of, oh, and uh, let me just take a look at what, what, was, what came out during your divorce proceedings, Mr. Rubin. <gasps> oh, no, I really don't want to have my name associated with you in any way, shape, or form. So... Good luck to him. Hopefully, it'll inspire uh, a more, boy, a less problematic company from also thinking differently. But we'll just find out. get someone else to be the face of the company. Exactly, <laughs> it's fine. It's... Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, you want to do one more little quick ad before we end off on some happy news? Some and happy. Some... 
happy meal. Delicious toasted bread to kind of round out the sandwich. <laughs> yes. This episode of Material is brought to you by Kensington, the people who make universal docking stations that are designed to increase productivity. You can get access to more ports and make your sleek MacBook, Chromebook, or other laptop as powerful as a desktop. It's plug-and-play with no drivers, so you can enjoy up to dual 4K display with HDMI and DisplayLink video connectors, plus USB 3.0, USB-C, and Thunderbolt 3 with power delivery available. The Kensington engineering team has three decades of experience in high-volume manufacturing of hardware IT products, plus rigorous test cycles and quality control. That all means that all of their products are tested above industry standards. If you're an IT decision maker looking to find the right docking solutions for your organization, check Kensington's Pro Concierge program and test drive a docking solution today. Visit kensington.com slash material right now to check out Kensington. That's kensington.com slash material to learn more. Our thanks to Kensington for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. What kind of bread do we have today? I feel like this is Dutch crunch. Today's episode is Dutch crunch. Mm. Are we, no? Is it a savory okay. sandwich? or Because I'm, I'm thinking raisin bread. Savory. But, but a nice savory then. Okay, then not raisin bread. But how about a nice, like a hearty rye? Ah, uh, yeah. You people and your rye. Okay, fine. I'll let you have this. I'm so, what do you mean, n- you not, people? By, by the, I, mean, I mean you and my husband. That's what I meant. Okay. Um, just FYI, in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> because my husband loves rye bread, and, it's, and I'm always like, why? But listen, I'm not here to judge you for your bread choices. Because I let you pick today's bread. So that's okay. what I'm letting you pick. Um <laughs> I hope you still like me, Andy. I'm sorry. No, 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 I'm no, no, not no. a that's, fan that's, of rye bread. That's fine. That's fine. It's, <laughs> I'm just thinking back to every time, you know, somebody like let me make a choice and then like <laughs> and then had to say that was clearly the wrong choice. I'm not going to. Oh, my gosh. I did, I'm, and now I, guess, I feel terrible. I guess that I'm was sorry. my fault for allowing you. To, no, no, no. <laughs> no, you're allowed to love rye bread. Uh, I'm just putting I don't, this I don't out love there. it. I'm just saying that it's, uh, I'm, I'm normally like a hearty wheat sort of guy, like my default choice same, on a sandwich same, or same. If, if or if my omelet comes with toast on the side. If it, But you got – for some reason now you've got me thinking pastrami and I'm thinking, ooh, I could really go that's for what, pastrami sandwich and how can you do my, pastrami without rye? At least a marble rye. My likes that. Anyway. He also likes um, tuna salad on rye, just in case anybody wants to get my husband a sandwich. <laughs> um, so very quickly, we just want to drop some fun little facts on you, some facts to kind of uh, round off the week for you. So a nice feature that's come uh, to Google Nest devices, which I still have to get used to saying, by the way, is when moving from room to room, you can now say, hey, G, move the music to the bedroom speaker or whatever. Or use the cast button on your device to choose a new speaker. Now, I have kind of been using... No, I haven't been using this. What am I saying? What I used to do is I would stop casting at the situation where it was casting formally. And then I would cast anew to where I wanted to go. And then if I was using like YouTube TV, it would be kind of annoying because I would have to start over if it was a recording. And then I would have to scroll to where I last left off. So it was not a user-friendly experience. It was a very like finicky, like, oh, well, I guess I get to watch this five minutes of these women arguing all over again. <laughs> I'm referring to the Real Housewives, of course. So this is called Stream Transfer. It works with video. It works with music. 
Um, you will also maybe notice if you're using this now that there's a little pop-up on the screen if you're using like a smart display that'll show you which device is casting to that particular display, which I found to be really helpful because it means that, you know, there's this understanding, like the Google Assistant knows, okay, so this is what's casting to me right now. This is where you're casting from, and this is what you're going to use to kind of like do that stream transfer. So if you want to try it out this weekend with your stuff at home, let us know if you like it. I think it's a lot more user-friendly than what, again, I had to do before. <laughs> yeah, and it really is one of those, why wasn't this a feature like almost as soon as streaming became possible? Because all you have to do, it's the reason why I have a Google Home group that is just everything, all speakers all yeah. the time. Because I just got so sick and tired of like having to turn turn it off from the office, then on in the living room, and then on someplace else. It's like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna decide that I'm going to be uh, dysfunctional this entire morning and go from task to task to task, and not want to have either have to switch to headphones or have to keep giving commands to please follow me around. See, this is another one of those uh, if. Google asked me for the ability to track my phone via lo- the uh, track my location via my phone and my uh, Google Home devices, and would say, "Well, if you did, if if you let me tr- track you from room to room to room, that means that the music will follow you everywhere, and you will not like suddenly like come home after a long day to find that Google Cast has been on the bedroom speaker all day long because you forgot to turn it off because you." suddenly realized that the Uber that was you thought was going to be picking you up in four minutes, that they found you a closer driver and he's actually waiting outside right now. That sort of thing. I would, I would think, I would think hard about that. Also one last little thing you probably want to try out this weekend. Uh, Now, Andy, apparently you tried out this feature and it didn't work. So in honor of, Oh, it didn't even appear. So in honor Kind of in honor of Halloween, but really this was something that was announced uh, back at Google I.O. 2018, which was last year, by the way. We did get a progress report during the keynote at I.O. 8, I.O. 8, I.O. 2019. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. It's the end of the show. Um, Google Photos has a colorized feature, which was an... Andy, I love the way you put this. Google Photos colorized feature rises from the grave. Yes, that was was my little joke, I thought, for Halloween. I love it. And I wanted to put that in there and give Andy his props. So the colorized feature is supposed to basically turn your black and white photos into colored photos. Uh, kind of, you know, what you would have Costco do for you back in the day of, of film, um, which was really only maybe 10 years ago. Uh, 9 to 5 Google said that in, in its version of photos, version 4.26, this should be available in kind of a beta fashion but Andy, you said you have 4.26 and you you can't find it on your Pixel 1. Yeah, what it's what's supposed to happen is that um there is and you you open up a photo uh, one that's already been synced to Google Photos, so apparently this doesn't just happen on device. It needs like the mm. network connection in order to work. But one of the filters underneath it, you know, black, uh, black and white, neo, neosporin blue, whatever it is. There's there's a new uh, filter called Colorize, and it has a little pill on the on the upper right hand corner that says Beta, saying that. It works. Don't expect miracles from it, but it works. And then you tap it. Then it will. If it's only, it will only appear with actual black and white photos. It will not try to colorize in an already colorized photo. But I can't. I can't make that uh, that uh, that colorized feature appear no matter what black and white photo I select with it. So I don't know whether 
I misread the uh, the 95 Google article, which really made me think that it was in wide release, uh, or whether it doesn't work with uh, Pixel 1s, which is possible. It's still, it is an old phone after all. Uh, I do, I did, I do have 4.26 as of, uh, I think that was installed on October 2nd, because mm-hmm. believe it, believe me, as soon as I found out that wasn't working, like, do I really have 4.26? I really want this to work. Uh, but oh well. Um, 9 to 5, 9 to 5 Google does have uh, uh, before and after pictures, and it, it's, it's credible. It's not, uh, it's not going to trick anybody into thinking that this was actually a color photo to begin with. It really looks more like a person thoughtfully hand tinted the photo. Um, but it's, it's, mm. it's a nice little feature. It's also not terribly perfect. They have a, a picture of, uh, of, uh, the, the Bay bridge in San Francisco. And of course the color of the sky blue and the ocean, like greenish blue, whatever, but it didn't possibly because the Bay bridge is sort of a gray metal to begin with. It mm-hmm. didn't color in like the holes, <laughs> the, 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 the air, the air in the uh, uprights, uh, the towers of the Bay Bridge, it all got, was treated as though it were one like solidly colored object. So some work to be done there, but again, it's a nice, it's a nice little thing. I, I'm sure no one bought their phone, ba- bought switched to Android based on the idea that they were going to get a colorized feature in Google Photos. Uh, if you did, that was silly because Google Photos also is on iOS. I don't know if this is working on iOS yet either, but cool stuff. And but it's good that after showing it off at Google I.O. in 2018 and 2019, we've got it. We still no signs of that magical remove the chain link fence between your camera and your daughter playing baseball feature, uh, which has years even, ago, which, yeah, it hasn't even been like, oh, here's the status report on that. But OK, well, I've, we still have faith. Faith manages. I would like to see this colorized feature work with the black and white photos of my grandfather. Mm. I think that would be really cool. Um, I wonder if it'll catch on that he had blue eyes, by the way. (laughs) The only family member in the last couple of, uh, in the family tree, by the way, that had blue eyes. So just want to put that out there. Now you all know that my family has brown eyes. Anyway. (laughs) um, Well, that about kind of settles it for our news this week, Andy. Mm. That was that was a delicious sandwich. I'm still uh, listen. It's it's rye. It's a rye and pastrami kind of day. I did mention mustard earlier, um, although you probably want to replace that with some not Reuben mustard um, to make that a little more delicious. <laughs> and I wasn't going for a pun there. Rye R Y E W R Y. Although we <laughs> we are quite saucily oh. delicious, aren't we? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Ooh, rye bread. Andy, you're so good at this. Even when uh, I'm not even why- <laughs> trying. That's the genius switch. It's like a fluorescent light fixture. It costs less money to keep it on all the time than to keep switching it on and off. Um, Andy, are you doing anything this week before um, the madness of what is happening to the both of us next week? Yes, I'm on uh, NPR again, uh, WGBH Boston uh, on Friday. Uh, uh, hit my uh, my Twitter at Anatko, I-H-N-A-T-K-O for the actual time. I think it'll be 1130 this time. But as always, you can listen, you can stream it live at WGBHnews.org or uh, stream it later because they do capture this, that stuff and provide links to that sort of stuff. So that's where I am at, in addition to doing housework so that I'm not coming home after several days to a messy, messy house and kitchen. 
And uh, we're going to have an interesting time coordinating next week's yes. podcast. <laughs> so, Andy, I'll see you when I get home you know, to California, again, it's, it's even a, though I'm seeing a, you here in New York. A, it's a 6 a.m. flight. You know, uh, do you really want to take a risk that if you go to bed, you're going to actually wake up in time for the flight? No. I know a great Korean restaurant. It's near Penn <sighs> Station. It's open 24 hours. Another diner that's closer to like 53rd Street in the in the Broadway district. We might we might have to get together for like a late night tea or something. Exactly. Maybe after maybe after I'm done with all about Android, if I still have a little bit of energy left, we'll see. We'll see how this works. <laughs> I'll be on West Coast time, so technically I'll be three hours behind uh, in terms of energy, right? Hmm. Um, as for me, I have an announcement to make. I've launched a, another podcast because I don't have enough going on in my life. <laughs> uh, my new podcast. My new podcast is called Honestly Tech. It is currently awaiting approval from Apple and Spotify. Google has already approved it. So thank you, Google, for being the first one to come out of the door and say welcome to the podcast family. Um, I also am available on Pocket Casts. And actually, and I sent Russell a message about this. I said, you were the, your app was the first one that caught on to this RSS feed. So thank you for that. <laughs> so thank you, Russell, former co-host of a uh, material for just even watching out for me without even realizing it, <laughs> uh, for catching that. If you want more information about the podcast, you can go to honestlytechpod.com. I have put up links there uh, to the RSS feed and where you can follow us on social by the way the us is just me but i like to use a collective us because it's it's me in all my forms there's many of me on the inside the royal we you you contain the, multitudes i had to i had to explain that to my husband last, <laughs> last night he's like us he's like but it's just you i'm like listen you're not in this business you don't understand uh and also you can go to florencelion.com um i'll be updating it i did a couple of podcast appearances in the last two weeks I don't know how I'm doing all of this being sick, but you know what? Thank you, Andy, for putting up with my congestion today. Um, <laughs> hopefully you don't hear my sniffling and coughing on the recording. And if you do, thank you for bearing with me. I just have a cold, which is why I've been locked in the house for the last three days. Um, Lawrence Ion with congestion is still much better than most people with clear sinuses. Well, thank you. Um, I do have a humidifier to help with that, by the way. <laughs> and uh, as for us here from the Material Podcast, don't forget, by the way, that you could become a member of the show. I need to remind you that you can become a member of the show. You go to relay.fm slash material to do that and see what membership tier maybe sounds good to you. It helps me and Andy out. And, you know, it keeps this podcast running. It keeps it so that Andy and I can do the work that we do every week to ensure that you get all the news that is to know from the Google realm and uh, that Andy and I come prepared for these things to talk and discuss. So thank you for being here with us every week. We love you. Keeps us and in next vapor week, rub and other th necessary young boys. It, 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 it is a Vicks vaporizer, by the way, just in case anybody's wondering. Um, next week, we have so much news, so we need to go now. We need to rest because yes. in like three days, we're going to be busy. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in this week. Oh, <laughs> oh,